Hello, dog people of the internet. It's me, Sarah, of the Cognitive Canine Dog Training, and this is Cog Dog Radio. Today's the first of three episodes in which I'm going to talk about Jade the Golden Retriever. As you may have heard in the pilot, Jade is a dog I worked with on a number of issues that he was experiencing. Today I'm going to cover Jade's background and some of the first steps that his handler and I took to help him. So picture Jade and Emily. Emily is Jade's handler, and she's a petite 20-something, and Jade is this stunningly handsome dark red golden retriever, and he's made of pure muscle. He just reeks power and intensity. Emily adores him, but she definitely admitted to me that he was difficult for her to control. Um, She walked into our first session with Jade on a gentle leader and a very short traffic lead. It was basically about a foot and a half long, his leash. Um, You know, that's what she did to make sure that she could maintain control over him no matter what happened. It was a smart management move on her part at the time, knowing what she knew. Um, So we sat down to talk about Jade's troubles and During that time, he could not sit still, and that was kind of the first thing that I noticed about him. He was scratching himself, he was barking and whining, and he was just kind of generally uneasy the whole time that Emily and I were having our conversation. Um, She related his history with um, other dogs in training, and it was pretty typical. He went to puppy class, but he didn't much care for playing with the other dogs. He was really all about the work, um, which is really common in performance type dogs. Um, Later on, he had some unfortunate run-ins with some other young intact males. And, you know, he came out with a few scrapes. The other dog came out with a few scrapes and he definitely came out with a damaged reputation, Um, which is unfortunate because scuffles between young intact males are so common and normal. Um, So, you know, before long, Emily was really starting him to stiffen and growl if another dog approached him. Um, And again, really normal for young, insecure, intact males. But Emily didn't know that. She was pretty freaked out about it. She was on the receiving end of some advice that was, you know, again, well-intentioned, but not necessarily the best. And her stress was really just starting to pile on about having Jade in public, even though truthfully hadn't done much that was from you know my standpoint super concerning at that point um but she was still stressed about it and honestly rightfully rightfully so a dog that goes to dog shows needs to be able to tolerate other dogs close to him um and he he had a hard time with it so she got that short lead she got the gentle leader And, you know, she would walk him on that every day, as well as in dog show type of situations. Um, However, gentle leaders, head callers are not allowed at AKC trials. And so Emily was really worried about ever getting him into an AKC agility trial without that piece of equipment. Um, She also told me about, you know, he had a brief history of aversives in training, not an extensive history of that. Again, Emily on the receiving end of a lot of advice. Um, She smartly realized early on, though, that using these aversives really served to create more stress for him and therefore more stress-related behaviors from him. And so she really wisely early on abandoned any of that stuff. Um, So 
we work together with his issues regarding other dogs specifically, and I'm going to talk about that later. But the other kind of piece of their history is that Emily started taking agility classes from me because I offered a class environment that was safe for dogs that were maybe spatially sensitive. I was, you know, really strict on everybody is either working on the field or contained. Um, I never had a bunch of dogs on the field at the same time in these classes. And so she started taking classes with me and um, I noticed right away that Jade was having a really hard time just keeping his arousal levels at a normal kind of level, even for an agility dog. His eyes were bloodshot. Um, he was a barking mess. He was drooling. He really couldn't get through a short sequence on the course without chest slamming and biting Emily. Um, and he was biting her really hard. I mean, I even had a couple of my other students kind of express concern about it. Um, she was using a tug toy to reward him and that's great. He would go for the toy, but he really had a hard time spitting it out. And I had witnessed that the dog can, the dog can out the toy on cue in other scenarios. So mid run though, he really couldn't do it. And so, you know, and sometimes he would have poor aim and he would bite at her hands. And, um, it was just, it was a total mess. And I really give Emily a lot of credit here because she never lost her cool on him. Um, he was hurting her. He was a lot for her to take in and control and, or even try to control. And, um, she never lost her cool. She never screamed at him, um, you know, corrected him, grabbed at him. And she never got nasty with me either as the instructor, even though she was highly frustrated. And so I really give Emily a lot of credit. Um, however... Needless to say, group classes did not last very long for them. I recommended private lessons very quickly. Um, and then that's where the, we did the bulk of our work for them as a team. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about something that I call the four steps to behavioral wellness, because that's where we started with Jade. And that's where I start with most dogs that I work with, um, is just examining these four areas of their life and making sure that we are meeting all of their needs for mental health to be achieved. Um, these four areas are diet, exercise, enrichment, and communication. So again, we're talking the four steps to behavioral wellness, diet, exercise, enrichment, and communication. All dogs are eating something, getting some kind of exercise, some kind of enrichment, and, and being communicated with all of them. What we need to do is examine these areas and make sure that we're doing the best that we can in all of those areas. So Jade was already on a really amazing diet when I met him. He was on a home-prepared raw diet um, that Emily, the vegan, was making for him. And she adjusted it really intelligently as we started to talk. Um, she figured out that certain foods were intensifying his body scratching because that's one of the things that Jade... Um, 
was doing, I mentioned in our first session, he was scratching at himself. And when I asked Emily about that, I found out that he was doing that frequently, um, even at home. And so he was worked up by by veterinarians. He had blood work done. Um, they talked about allergies. They did some allergy medication trials and some food trials. And all of that was, you know, we definitely had veterinarians on board this entire time. I never just walk in and say, this is what a dog should be eating. That's certainly not my area. Um, but he is a lot less itchy off of certain foods. So he's now pretty much on a strictly, um, I think it's bison and beef kind of diet and venison and just kind of these lean red meats. He's doing much, much better in that area. So because he was already on raw, I didn't have to talk Emily into that. And that was fantastic. I do like to talk to people about raw diets on a regular basis, but again, I'm not a nutritionist. So I always encourage them to either get a nutritionist involved um, or a veterinarian instead of just taking my word for it. So as Emily adjusted his food multiple, multiple times, so at first she just kind of cut poultry and then she got really careful about what else he was eating. Um, he got better and better and less and less itchy and did less and less body scratching. We did attribute a lot of his body scratching to stress. And so again, we're going to talk about what we did for that later. But first thing is always first, which is nourish the body. If the body is not nourished, a dog cannot be behaviorally well, period. So if a dog is eating something that just doesn't agree with him, he is not going to be able to combat stress in a way that we want him to be able to. And he's also going to have a harder time controlling his arousal levels in the performance arena. And it's just generally speaking, the best place to start is the dog's diet. Exercise is the next piece. And this, I think, proved to be the most important piece for Jade overall. And when we talk to Emily in a later episode, she is going to tell you that that's exactly what she saw as well. Um, initially, I instructed Emily to take Jade for some hard running off-leash every day. I wanted him to be off-leash working his body hard. And Emily lives in a big city, and so she chose to play ball with him at a nearby uh, football field. And that's what she was doing for a long time. And what we found out over time was that this repetitive type of exercise, especially involving some kind of cherished item, which it did, which was the ball, only amped Jade higher. And so I find this again and again, you guys, across the board. People think that getting their dog out and throwing that chuck it ball or that frisbee until the dog is panting and exhausted is good for them. And I'm going to argue that most of the time it is not, especially if that toy puts them in what I would call an unhealthy state of arousal. These are the states of arousal that we're trying to avoid in agility, and therefore we should be trying to avoid them across the board. 
Um, and so I nixed that pretty quickly. Emily and I had some good long conversations about different kinds of exercise that we could do for Jade. We got rid of the gentle leader and the short lead, got him on a harness and a long lead. Um, and then we talked about what I call a decompression walk. And a decompression walk is very different from the way that most people walk their dogs. A decompression walk is off leash, preferably a long line and a harness will suffice if they have to, but off leash is always best if you can do it safely. Um, and it's out in nature. It is not on concrete. It is not in a manicured park. It is in nature. So we're talking fields, forest, uh, mountains. We are not talking, you know, a mode public park with um, concrete pathways. And the dog needs to be allowed to do whatever they would like to do on that walk. So that means that the person follows along behind them. They're not given a lot of instruction. If you have to give them some instruction, that's fine. I mean, obviously, sometimes we need to ask the dog to go a certain way. Um, but generally speaking, the dog is allowed to do what their doggy self would like to do. And you're just kind of following along. Um, I always recommend these walks as much as possible. And when Emily started doing these, and basically what she started doing is just packing Jade and her other dog up in the car and driving up into the Rocky Mountains and hitting a trail. She did it, she, she does it all year long. She doesn't let the snow and ice bother her. Um, and she is at a point now where she's logging about 15 to 20 miles on the trail with Jade a week. And Jade is the healthiest physically and mentally that he's ever been. She and I both really think this is the most important thing for him. And in fact, all of his compulsive behaviors, his stress-related behaviors, come back if she's unable to get him out on the trail enough. Um, so I always want you to think about, you know, with exercise, I know that logging 20 miles on the trail is not possible for everybody um, all the time. But what I want you to think about with exercise is that there, there's such a thing as um, activities that are mentally tiring. And then there's also activities that are mentally taxing. And so I always put it like this. If I get up early and get in my car and drive to a trail and hike all day long, when I come home in the evening, I am exhausted, but it feels really good. All right, I have a meal, I sit down, my body relaxes, and I probably go have the best sleep I've ever had. Versus if I spend an entire day in air travel, I'm making multiple connections, um, and then you know I land in a strange city, I have to get a rental car, I have to drive, to my hotel, when I finally get to my hotel, I'm exhausted and it does not feel good. So both times I'm very tired. Both times I'm probably gonna sleep hard, but one of them is good for me and one of them is not. And that's what I want you to think about for your dogs. We want that long hike type of exhaustion. We do not want air travel type of exhaustion. 
oftentimes, you guys, dog shows, dog agility trials are giving our dogs air travel type of exhaustion. They're mentally taxing our dogs when what they really, really need more than that is to be mentally tired, um, not mentally taxed. So I always want you to really think about that. And in the case of Jade, fetching his ball repeatedly in a field was mentally taxing. He was exhausted, but he was amped up and his body was full of stress hormones. Running off leash on a mountain for several miles, he's exhausted, but in a very good way. Um, he has flushed his body of stress hormones doing that. And so that's what you're always looking for. I think that a lot of times these dogs that have these, you know, amped up types of behavioral issues are just living in a stress hormone bath and they're just, they, their body cannot regulate those hormones because we never give them a chance to. The decompression walk is where the dog can can do that, can kind of regulate the stress hormones again and just kind of relax. Um, enrichment is our next step to behavioral wellness. And it goes along the same thing that I just talked about. Looking for activities that are mentally tiring but not mentally taxing for our dogs to have every single day is really important. Um, so just like they need the, you know, they need the types of exercise that tire them and do not tax them. They need the type of mental activity that tires them and doesn't tax them. Oftentimes agility classes and things like that, again, are really taxing on them. And I'm not saying don't do agility. You guys, I compete. I love agility. I'm saying make sure the dog gets to come down from it. Make sure that their only activity is not that, um, so types of enrichment that we can do would be, you know, just simple, easy clicker training projects. That's one thing that Emily started doing with Jade, as opposed to really complex clicker training projects that were frustrating them both. Um, she taught him how to teach a class on muzzle training. She taught him really successfully to wear a basket muzzle just by doing it as a fun clicker training project. That was great for them. Um, and then Jade's really key enrichment piece is actually um, hard chewing. Hard chewing is different from something that the dog kind of crunches through and then swallows. Hard chewing is a chewing project that the dog will work on for a long time. So for Jade, that winds up being this big meaty bison knuckle bone. Um, he works on that for a very long time and then he takes a nap. And so that's his enrichment piece. Um, for a lot of dogs, it's a frozen Kong. For a lot of other dogs, it's a puzzle toy. Um, a lot of puzzle toys would get Jade a little bit frantic. And so really leaning more towards that raw bone is what Emily would do instead. And we actually, um, and we'll talk about this as we talk about some specifics that we did for him, introducing the raw bone as his training break as well in agility training, really, really helpful for him to just kind of decompress on this activity. If you think about chewing as actually a basic need that dogs have, you'll be convinced to provide it for them more often. And it really is. Um, if you say, if, if you have a dog that doesn't chew, you know, that's fine. They outgrew it because all puppies will chew. 
And then if you don't provide them with a lot of chewing opportunities throughout their life, they will kind of outgrow it. And that's okay. You can give them other kinds of enrichment activities, which I'm sure we'll talk about at length later on in the podcast. And our last step to behavioral wellness is communication, effective communication. Emily is not a corrective person by nature with her dogs. Um, A lot of people find fault in that, but I really rejoice in it. She doesn't get after them a whole lot. She doesn't, you know, telling them that they're wrong and they're bad is just not a big part of who Emily is. Um, she's kind to them and that's, that's her personality. So nevertheless, we did talk about replacing correction with instruction because everybody tells their dogs, no, cut it out, knock that off. Everybody does that. Okay. What you've got to understand is that it doesn't tell them anything. It doesn't actually communicate anything that is helpful for either of you. So what you're going to do is replace all correction with instruction instead. And that's what I um, talked to Emily about doing. So when Jade was doing something that she'd rather he not do, she was to instruct him to do something else and then reinforce that behavior. So, you know, let's say he's playing too rough with his sister. She was to instruct him to go to his bed and then she'd reinforce that behavior, you know, usually by taking him out back to play or train or something like that, because that's what he needed in that moment, which is an important piece. Um, So again, replace correction with instruction. Really nice, big step towards better communication you can have with your dog. Um, And then the other thing that I love is uh, something from Kathy Sadeo, who's a really brilliant trainer. Um, and actually she's a, she's a behaviorist and she wrote a book called Plenty and Life is Free. And in that book, she talked about something she calls smart times 50. And it's an acronym. It stands for C mark and reinforce training. And what that means is, and then the times 50 is that your goal is to do it 50 times a day. So smart times 50. And what that means is you see the dog doing something right. So let's say the dog looks out the window at someone walking by and they don't bark. That's something right. So you see that you mark it. So you say yes, or you praise, and then you reinforce. So you go and you get a piece of food and you give it to them or you toss a toy or something. And it's basically just aiming to reinforce behavior all day long, as opposed to pick out behavior you don't like and correct it all day long, which is what we're inclined to do instead. And so then our other little piece with Emily was teaching her to communicate properly with Jade on the agility course and in their training sessions. And there's going to be a lot more on that later. Uh, We worked on her handling and we worked on her marker signals, her reward delivery, um, and a whole lot of things like that. So all of that's coming up. That wraps up episode, uh, the first episode about Jade, first of three. And the next episode is going to cover the specific behavior change plans that we had for Jade regarding his issue with other dogs and then the problematic behaviors that he had on the agility course. So if you have any questions for me, 
please shoot them over to cogdogradio at gmail.com. And I hope that you tune in next week.